0: Hi everyone and welcome to VLGA Connect. On the program today, I'm in conversation with Kieran Brophy, who's Assistant Director at Play Australia, and we're going to find out about the 1000 Play Streets concept and what that means for local government, not just in Victoria, but around the country. Kieran, welcome to the program. Thanks
1: very much for having me, Chris. Great to be here.
0: No, good to have you with us. Perhaps my first question should be, what's Play Australia? Yeah, good question. Good
1: question. So we're the, the national peak advocacy body for play in Australia. So we we not only service um, a lot of professional members, so those that, that develop and look after play spaces across the board, and of course being, being playgrounds and working with a lot of local governments across the board. Um, but we also run a heap of advocacy work and we drive campaigns um, to, to campaign to get more children outside playing every day because we know outside play is a good thing. And part of my role as as assistant director is to to deliver on 1,000 play streets, which we'll talk about soon.
0: Are you a membership body? Do you have members?
1: We are. We are a membership body, Chris. So we've got lots of local government subscribed and we offer PD and training um, and resources for for local government who look after play spaces. And also for local government who look after people who who play in our communities. Um, and, And so we... Yeah, we, we also have lots of industry members as well and lots of early years members. So it's, it's a big mixed bag in, in terms of our membership, Chris. Really, anyone who's interested in play, um, I'd encourage you
0: to jump on our website and have a look. Terrific. We'll, um, we'll, we'll certainly provide that sort of information uh, in the show notes too with links and things. So now Terrific. we want to find out about 1000 Play Streets. Catchy title. What's it all about? <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. So 1000 Play Streets. This is our, our big push. For Australians to reclaim our quiet residential streets as places for neighbours to to connect and play, um, so we, we recognise that that people aren't getting together as much as we used to, and certainly not playing out in the streets as much as we used to, and there's a real need for these kinds of inter- interventions. So, so Chris, about probably about um, eleven years ago. Um, uh, an initiative called Playing Out was born in Bristol by, by a couple of mums in Bristol over in the UK who, who wanted to temporarily shut their street to, to get their children out and playing together. And, um, and that was the start of a big movement that, that's gone global. Uh, they've scaled that they've scaled their, their little street play movement in Bristol to 200 streets around Bristol uh, mm-hmm. 10 or 11 years on and 1,000 1, streets plus around the UK and it's it's been a really strong community-led movement over in the UK. and we're 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 connected in with playing out and we've taken great inspiration from them. and so we've 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 called ours one thousand play streets and we've we've given ourselves five years, fifty percent of the time to um to top our our friends over in oh. uh, Bristol.
0: <laughs> so what does that actually look like for the streets under this this concept? What happens on the ground?
1: Yeah, so a play street's a really simple concept. It's a, it's a temporary street closure whereby neighbours of all ages get out on that street and, and, and play in a safe environment that's um, that's close to traffic. Although if you live there, um, we can have traffic marshals that support residents to to come through in, in a in a safe manner. They normally last for two or three hours, and really it's um it's community led and, and driven, and and it's about it's about a I guess really. Opening up streets and recognising that not everyone has access to amazing places to play where they live, and we need to support environments for play on a daily basis for children and communities. Um, and so, play streets can really
0: play that role. I guess it's that street street party concept that's being applied to uh, to kids play and for kids' benefits. It's a different lens. Oh,
1: absolutely! It's about neighbours getting together, and we, we recognise that there's a lot of apprehension. Uh, amongst parents and caregivers to, to send kids out these days. Um, there's a lot of worry and anxiety when it comes to, to kids playing out in the street uh, because we have such a strong car culture. We, we run mm. at the side of a car and we, we're fearful of cars and and, and accidents and, and so on and so forth. But we also don't know our neighbours as well. And what we recognise and what we've found through our, through our pilots and through our testing, which I'll talk about later, is that the more we get, can get to know our, our neighbours, the, the, the less anxiety we have mm. because we actually know that, hey, I, I know Bob down the road and, and now I know if the kids are out playing, Bob's going to keep an eye on them as well. So it's, um, it's about connecting neighbours to build that social capital so we all help each other.
0: And people are more focused locally locally. Uh, because of COVID, aren't they now? They're more attuned to what's in a in a in a shorter distance span, uh, particularly through lockdown type uh, restrictions. So, do you see this as uh, an idea whose time has come as we move beyond COVID? It, it's COVID has
1: certainly built built the relevance of of our movement and the relevance of this conversation we're, we're having because um, our communities are more localized. We live, work, and play. Uh, around where we live, particularly if you're, you're restricted in, in and around Melbourne, as we are. Um, and so what we've found is that these communities, including myself, I've been letting my kids out on the street more and more and playing with the neighbours' kids more and more uh, because, it, it, I guess, our, our circles of, of, of independent roaming, it's um, it's very much ar- around where we live. Um, and just, sorry, Chris, I'm sort of jumping around a bit. I, I get quite excited on this topic. Yeah. Um, Independent roaming ranges for kids is, is a really is a really interesting one. And, and independent roaming of kids is so important for the healthy development of kids for, for them to, to experience that the world around them experience their neighborhoods. And, and we know roaming ranges are shrinking and it's lucky if these days kids can, can walk to the end of their street and, and back. And this is really about trying to re-establish those roaming ranges and get kids to get kids moving around their, their neighborhood on the street in the first instance.
0: That's, that's really fascinating. It's not a concept I've uh, really spent any time thinking about. Um, so I'm putting the devil's advocate hat on here. I'm thinking about what the risk management people in councils are going to be saying or thinking about this. How, how are you going to break down those sorts of barriers that I can imagine would be getting put up?
1: It's, um, it's a really good question you ask, Chris, because we know when it comes to temporary street closures, We're asking local governments and communities to work through a lot of red tape um, around organising insurance, organising traffic control and traffic management. And um, and what we found is that um, it's in in the context of our local governments, um, all people are different. Uh, All people's view on compliance is completely different. We we found that we've had um, the best impact whereby we found local governments with really, um, I guess, collaborative internal systems where we've seen cross-departmental work across children, across the families, communities, areas, across sport and rec and across roads and, uh, and, and also the people who look after litigation and law within council across legal services. Um, and so, I mean, if you've got a traffic engineer who's quite progressive and, and really values people centred policy over over compliance and and covering ones, but <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, then we see better outcomes for community at the end of the day. So we're all we're all about working with those local governments who, who really want to value community and and really want to question local policies and and what's what's a bad policy and if it's a bad policy, let's um let's dig into it and let's fix it up. And we also recognise that there's also state legislation that that has an impact on on. Local, local systems for local government and, and potentially there's opportunities to advocate for um, for improved legislation as well.
0: Yeah, all good points you make. And I imagine you're, you're trying to roll this out nationally. It's going mm-hmm. to be a bit different from state to state, I suspect, as well, in the way the idea is embraced and adopted.
1: Absolutely. Ab- absolutely. So we, we recognise that there are different blockers. within within different states. So with our pilot, we we actually piloted in in WA, um, under Sport Australia, the Move It Oz campaign, we piloted in WA with a couple of local governments there, uh, with Moreland and Darabin in in Victoria. We were grateful for their participation in the pilot. We learned a heap. And we also piloted with uh, with Sunshine Coast up in Queensland for for our national pilot. We, we learn a heap um, about the different state legislative environments, and um, we, we, it was interesting that the Sunshine Coast example. We found that um, before applying for a permit, uh, local residents needed to uh, obtain a permit through through the the Queensland Police, and by by doing so, we actually we actually learned that it took approximately forty hours for them to to go through the motions wow. a, a, and and get that police permit, and that. That is really prohibitive and, and it's crippling a, and we know we need to make it easy for local community members otherwise they're just not going to get involved chris i, I think it's compliance yeah. gone mad really
0: that, that's a staggering number that that 40 hours per instance um, per, per instance and then yeah. if you're rained out it's all for nicks and you've got to do it again so what can you do about that though how do you break that down i i, I guess there's
1: no silver bullet approach um we're currently we're, we're having a really productive conversation with um, with the south australian government and we're working with an initiative called game on and, and we've got we've got about eight local governments in sa involved in in play streets over there and we're looking at targeting uh, state legislation that is really prohibitive um, and, and one of the things we're targeting at the moment is the need to advertise temporary street closures in local papers Um, recognising that people consume media in different ways these days, Mm. either via website or or, or their social media. And so currently as it stands, you you have to advertise in in the local paper and it costs you $400 to do so. And and then there's a question over whether will any of the local community members read it in the first place? So we're we're, we're actually pushing for a change to that legislation at the moment and and we're grateful for for, for Game On's involvement at, at, at the state government level. To support us to do that and we'd love to explore those kinds of conversations in Victoria where where we have a group that we work collaboratively with to explore what are those advocacy levers we need to to get around and and pull.
0: Yeah I'm surprised that, that some of those legislative requirements are still in place around the country because it is a very outdated concept isn't it these days with the way people consume information here. you mentioned, I think you said eight in South Australia, you've had a Queensland experience, you piloted in Western Australia, and you've mentioned Victoria. Are you, before we get to the Victorian experience, are you in every state yet?
1: Uh, not yet. Not yet, Chris. We're, we're hoping so. Look, it's a, it's a relatively new movement and we've only, we've only been through our pilot process and we've just launched in, in September this year. Right. Um, we also recognize that that COVID's thrown our world's upside down. Um, and look, we, we really view 1000 Play Streets as a, as a fantastic initiative to support COVID recovery. And the relevance is only going to grow next year. So, so we're really keen to see every state and territory on board um, over the course of next year and beyond.
0: So who have you got on board in Victoria so far?
1: Uh, so Darabin. Darabin City Council and Moreland City Council have been fantastic partners in terms of supporting the pilot. And, and we're really keen to explore uh, opportunities with them, but but of course, explore opportunities with other other local governments across big
0: And um, what sort of resources are available to uh, not just those councils, but to, to people who want to know more about the concept? Yeah. Yeah. No,
1: thanks, Chris. We, we've put a lot of effort into our website. Um, so we've got 1000 Play Streets. Uh, we've got a 1000 Play Streets landing page on our Play Australia website. A- a- and on, on those 1000 Play Streets landing pages, you can actually access a toolkit. And, and that toolkit's full of planning advice for, for local governments to think about how they can get ready to to organise themselves for temporary street closures for play, Mm -hmm. Um, whether they may need to advocate internally to to actually unlock the system and and get leadership support and and, and get the dollars and and get the the people required to to make this this thing successful. Um, The planning support tools also look at how we engage with our community play street hosts and what steps we can take to to get them on board and support them ongoing to engage with neighbours and really create welcoming environments and also how we can capture the stories and and really grow the good. Um, And and that's all available on the website. We've got signage available as well. um, And and we're available to talk to we've also, we've we've got plans next year to organize a 1000 play streets network meeting online to, to build a bit of a national network. So we can, build a bit of a community of practice. And and really, we've seen through the pilots, the value is connecting local governments together and, and having conversations about, well, what are these blockers and what, what are each of us doing to, to overcome the blockers?
0: Any opportunity to do that is is clearly worthwhile. So if we've got people from councils, not just in Victoria, but Australia-wide listening to this, now, how is it best for them to get in touch to find out more? Jump on the
1: website, jump on the website, playaustralia.org.au and um, and everything's there under our campaigns. You'll see 1,000 Play Streets and you, you can also get in touch with me and, and Chris, we can share my, my contact details. Um, I'll be very happy for, for anyone sure. to reach out to me and, and we, can, we can talk about Play Streets in the in the local context. Recognising that local governments have... Uh, crowded agendas and, and some local governments really care about Oh, well, actually I'd, I'd say all local governments care about community well-being but also so, some are maybe more focused on on resilience or safer roads or, or children and communities and, and and Play Streets has diverse application.
0: I think it's a great concept and really appreciate your time to explain that to us today and I hope you're inundated with inquiries as a result of uh, the the conversation we've had. Thanks Kerry. Magic thank you Chris all the best. That's Kieran Brophy from Play Australia telling us all about 1000 Play Streets here on VLGA Connect.